Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you know me or you've watched or listened to the show in any other offseason, you know how much I love mock drafting. And even though I didn't invent mock draft Monday, I love playing along any excuse to do a mock draft. And we're going to do that for you today. I'm going to do it live and make these picks as I record today, no quarterback. And I'm going to trade back, pick up an extra second round pick. I'll show you how I do it and who I pick coming up next on Seahawks forever. Welcome to the Seahawks forever podcast, in-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. A little bit of interesting news coming out this morning in regards to the salary cap, which should be finalized soon. According to Pro Football um, Pro Football Rumors, um, which, you know, we can debate their track record of accuracy. But they have their sources and they get some stuff right. The salary cap has um, pretty generally been assumed to be around uh, the 243 mark coming up this season. 243 million and it's going up again. I've seen 242, I've seen 243.5, even Brad Spielberger from Pro Pro Football Focus, uh, who does such a fine job of projecting these things, um, anticipated it landing at about that number. But according to one source on uh, Pro Football Rumors, 250 may be the number. Now, if your first thought upon hearing that is that, hey, Seahawks can be more competitive going out and getting free agents now. That's an extra $7 million. That's a player. That's a pretty solid player. Well, everyone is going to get that same $7 million. What it does potentially do is allow them to retain a free agent that maybe they would have thought they didn't have a, a room in the budget. You know, we, we keep talking about Leonard Williams, and Jordan Brooks, and there's a couple other guys the Seahawks would certainly like to bring back. Maybe this opens the door to being able to retain Damian Lewis at left guard if they want to do that. PFF projecting him to get uh, 11 to $12 million a year in a new deal. That's probably out of the Seahawks price range if they want to bring Williams and Brooks back or add anybody from the outside. But an extra $7 million could allow you to do that. So uh, we'll talk about free agents coming up in a uh, shortly in another episode where I will uh, focus on that, kind of unveil my offseason plan. But today we're going to do a mock draft. Haven't done this since Mike McDonald has been hired and the staff now continuing to fill out each day. And uh, the combine now just a week and a half away. Um, if you like the, uh, what do they call them? The underwear Olympics. 
Love that stuff. Uh, here's what I've done today. As I said in the intro, um, no quarterback this time. Last time I did a mock draft on this channel, Michael Thompson joined me and we took a quarterback in the first round. Took Bo Nix at the time. Can't remember if we traded back or not. I think we did. I think we traded back slightly. But I found a trade that matches almost perfectly on the trade chart that makes sense for both teams. And I'm going to take advantage of that. Before I get to the draft, uh, make sure and hit that like button, hit the bell button on YouTube for notification of new episodes and please subscribe to the channel. Best way to support it. Got over 5,000 subs a couple of a couple of days ago. Thank you for those of you who helped push it over that mark on to 6,000. Um, if you like audio podcasts, you can listen on any platform. And if you're a Spotify listener or want to be, and you want to hear episodes without ads, you can subscribe for under a dollar a month. Those links will be in the description, as is the link for buymeacoffee.com if you want to do that, or buy me a beer, whichever you prefer. I, I prefer both. <laughs> I've got my coffee cup here. And yes, indeed, this does have coffee in it. It just turned noon here on the West Coast as I record this. Uh, as I said, going to do this live. I like to use the Pro Football Network uh, Mock Draft Simulator the best. I think they're big board. While there are some, some, there are some uh, kind of outlying anomalies in their big board, some guys that they have uh, available in the later rounds that, that it sure seems by all accounts and all other big boards and some of the consensus coming out of the senior bowl will be going earlier. Um, but I just, I, I, I like their interface better. They just kind of updated it and refreshed it. The ability to make trades, um, a couple of disclaimers right off the top. I say this every time I do a mock draft, but if you don't like the player at any, any one given spot, then just plug in the player that you prefer at that spot at that position I try to focus on, you know, positional value, certainly. Um, I tend to, to lean a little bit towards need, as I think most of us do, than maybe John Schneider has in the last couple of years, where he has, he has been steadfast in proclaiming that he's going to stick to best player available no matter what. Vontae Mack, no matter what. Um, and so, you know, love the debate in the comments, and I'm sure, I'm sure some of these players are going to be hits with you and some of them won't be. Um, I know that just from when I post mock drafts on Twitter at Seahawks forever, um, as I like to do a lot of times. And I love the debate and I love, I love y'all throwing mock drafts back at me too. I've seen some pretty crazy ones, including one where uh, the guy traded back so many times that um, we didn't have any picks before a hundred. And it, his point was, look at all the value. Look how you can hit. Uh, all the positions of need. I'm not going to do that. Um, but I am going to trade back and get back into that second round. Here's how I did it. Green Bay Packers. It's almost a perfect match on the trade chart. The Seahawks would send 16 and 78. That's the 12th pick in the third round to the Packers. In exchange for the Packers first round pick 25, their second round pick, they have two of them, but the 26th pick in the second round, which is 58, and then they have two thirds also. We're going to swap places, right? So we send them 78. We're going to move down to 91. By doing that, by giving up some ground in the third round on the second of the Seahawks' two third round picks, it allows us to get that second rounder back. So let me start sharing my screen here and I'll, um, and I'll uh, show you what I'm doing here. So first I want to put up the trade chart. 
Uh, I've got Green Bay pulled up here, and you can see. Let me get rid of this frame here so you can see everything. There we go. How's that? You see those boxes in green. That's all the Packers picks. And this is why it makes sense for them. They have 11 picks as it stands here. They have five in the first two days. If seven in the first five rounds, two seconds, two thirds. The Packers had a great year last year, exceeded expectations, made it to the divisional round of the playoffs, a, a legitimate contender moving forward now, as we've we've seen the progression of Jordan Love and, and kind of the, the upside now there. Youngest roster in the league last year. Are they going to want to add 11 more? I mean, not all these guys would make the active roster, but are they going to want to add that many more rookies to that roster? Or are they going to be looking to make that next step? I think they're going to do the latter. I think they're going to be active in free agency and be looking to add some veteran influence and impact to the roster. And as far as the draft goes, I think with all these picks at their disposal, they're likely to be hunting impact. Dynamic impact. And here's where the Seahawks have a little bit of leverage. Whether whether there's quarterbacks available there or not that are attractive to teams. Let's take quarterback out of the equation for today. Because that's always attractive. If they're sitting there at 16 and one of the quarterbacks is there and a team wants to come up and get them, then then, then they may be, able to, may be able to leverage that into even more than I get in the trade here. This, this trade on the chart comes to within one point of being an exact match is 16 is right about where in a, in a normal year, teams will say that's about how many first round grades they had. Um, it's 15, 16, 17, 18. In a good year, it might be 20. And I think that, that gets lost in the discussion sometimes. There aren't, you know, almost never is a team going to have 32 first round graded players on their board. And so when considering value, Green Bay sitting there at 25. They have a couple of needs. News broke in the last 24 hours. David Bakhtari is probably going to be released. His career might be over. Never really was able to make it back from those knee injuries. Um, so they might need one of those tackles. So good tackle class. Uh, they need to get better on defense, right? If there's a corner or an edge rusher there, or one of those defensive tackles, uh, if they really, really love Jerzon Newton or Byron Murphy and they feel like he's not going to last till 25 and they have a first-round grade on him and they only have two first-round grades left on their board, right? They may want to jump up. It may make sense to them to jump up to 16, especially knowing they have an extra second and extra third and get the guy they want that they see as a plug-and-play day-one starter at left tackle, for example. Um, if Alt or Fashanu or you know, Latham or one of those guys that they value above the others is there at 16. So I think it makes sense from both sides, certainly for the sake of uh, this kind of hypothetical exercise, right? And the other thing that I want to say before we get started is the reason I, I preloaded this um, is because the, the simulator offers you trades, but they almost never match the trade chart. I've always wondered why they couldn't do that. You know, one of the simulators you would think would think of that first, like just add that, write that into their code, right? Plug in one of these trade charts so that the offers coming your way are more accurate. They aren't. Sometimes you get offered way more. Um, and, and that'll happen sometimes on this simulator. However, as we proceed and we get into the mid to later rounds, the offers that you get 
if they're if they don't match up exactly, it's it's less, it's not as dramatic of a difference. And so as we go through this, there may be a trade offered or two that I take to slide back a little bit more. So we'll we'll play around with that just just to kind of get an idea of how that sort of flow might go. Um, so I've got that all loaded up. Let's go back onto the screen here. And uh, let's go ahead and start the draft and see what happens ahead of uh, 25 for the Seahawks. Let's go. I've got it set to fast. So here's a good example. Uh, Tampa Bay is offering their 20, 26 pick. They're offering to give us 254, a seventh rounder, in order to move back one pick, right? Let's go ahead and take that. I think it's realistic. There's a lot of cool stuff we can do in the seventh round. Let's just take that. And then they offer me, uh, New Orleans offers to move up 19 spots from 45 to 26, and they want to give me a bunch of stuff next year. I'm going to reject that. There's a couple of big movebacks being offered. Let's reject all those. But let's just scroll up and just kind of see how the draft goes because I'm finding these to be pretty accurate at the top. Caleb Williams goes in one to Chicago. Marvin Harrison, two to Washington. That's probably a quarterback. But then you go May, Daniels. So, I mean, all of the uh, usual suspects that we're seeing go in the top 10 are going in the top 10. Um, is there a third quarterback off the board? In this simulator, there is not. Um, and so if this were, if we were sitting there watching the, the actual draft and the Seahawks are on the board at 26, now this gets really fascinating, right? If this, if it truly goes this way, you got, you'd have theoretically Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix still there at 26. Who knows? We might be talking quarterback today. We're not going to do that. I just want to see how this looks, how many of these, uh, big needs on the Seahawks roster. Can we check off today, uh, for Mike McDonald? And when you look over here on the right at the big board, there's some really appealing guys here. We want to start in the trenches, right? I want this to be a foundational draft for Mike McDonald moving forward. Let's get as many bodies in here that we think have upside to be long-term potential starters, but also immediate contributors where we need it most. Front seven on defense, because we're going to have to address linebacker. It's just too early to do that. Positional value, first round linebackers don't make a lot of sense. This is a deep class. We'll see that when we get into day two and three. But we want trenches. Interior offensive line or defensive line. That's what I'm going for here, right? And I would tend to favor tackle over edge because we have Nuosu coming back and Mafe and Derek Hall is a second round pick last year. There's a little bit of flexibility there. Uh, Byron Murphy sits here at 24 on their board. That would be good value. Interior defensive tackle, 61308 from Texas. Uh, a guy that is uh, seen as uh, just kind of scratching the surface of his potential, really came on this year, primarily as a pass rusher. Plays well against the run. In stature, is built very, very similar, uh, similarly to Justin Matabuike, who we saw have a breakout year in Baltimore this last year. He's about to get franchise tagged by the Ravens and make a bunch of money. Uh, and Mike McDonald had a lot to do with his development. And then you have Jackson Powers Johnson, who's a guy that's really become a favorite of Seahawks mock draft uh, fandom. Plays center for Oregon last year, but has guard experience. Might be the best interior offensive lineman in this draft. Some people favor Graham Barton out of Duke. He's still on the board here as well. Troy Falatanu, another uh, tackle to guard conversion uh, is what's being projected for him. He's there at 33 on their big board. And then uh, Tyler Guyton is a tackle. We'll know more between now and the draft at um, 
at right tackle. If Abraham Lucas's knee and he looks good to go, then that probably isn't as big of a need. Otherwise, we might consider that there. I'm going to go Byron Murphy here over Jackson Powers Johnson because I think there's more depth at guard on day two than there is at tackle. And I really, really love Murphy's upside. The Seahawks need another guy on that interior. You know, Cameron Young may yet develop into a solid interior defensive lineman, but I think we all agree, and, and, and the book on him is more of a run stuffer, more of a true nose tackle, not as much pass rush upside. The Falcons, uh, now we're sitting at pick number 58, that second round pick we got from the Packers in that trade. The Falcons are offering 74 and 114. It's interesting. It's tempting, but I really want to pick here in the middle of the second round. And then you get a lot of these offers from the PFN um, simulator where they, where they offer a higher second pick in the package in exchange for a lower second pick from you in order to move up. Not interested in moving back 12 spots on this one. So I'm going to reject that one as well. Let's look at the big board. Uh, Adisa Isaac uh, from Penn State enticing you know they have chop robinson there too he's long gone interesting uh edge player who really performed well in mobile a couple of weeks ago chris braswell another one kind of played second fiddle well definitely played second fiddle um to dallas turner in bama but is projected to be a second rounder uh and then braylon trice is another one that's really interesting should we just load up on defensive line here to start with braylon trice I'm going to have Maddie Brown on the show tomorrow. And one of the things he said when Mike McDonald was hired was uh, the personnel the Seahawks have on hand really fits well with the scheme that McDonald runs. They just need a little bit more size and length at edge. Braylon Trice would fit that bill. 6'4". He's listed here at 269. I've seen him listed in the high 270s. And he's a guy that uh, as much it didn't really get the sack numbers this last year that people were looking for from him, but his pressure rate numbers were great. And he also plays the run very, very well. Really good physical edge player that could fit more of the mold of that traditional sort of stand-up 3-4 defensive end. Um, if McDonald chooses to play a little bit more of that, remember he says he has a personnel-based scheme, as did Ryan Grubb on offense. Uh, so that's a really interesting one there. If we want to focus on, because I know a lot of a lot of you will do this, oh, got to get a guard here, got to get a guard here. Well, you don't want to reach, but let's look at interior offensive linemen here. Um, Cooper Beebe is really, really exciting. Uh, he, he's, he's a big dude, 6'4", 322, has some work to do in pass protection, uh, but great in the run game, would... I don't know how young you want to be up front. That's a question that's going to have to be answered, right? If Anthony Bradford is the, the presumptive starter at right guard and Olu Oluwatimi gets a chance to start at center, those are last year's fourth and fifth round draft pick. Do you want to go with a, a rookie at left guard? BB's game, though, his profile is similar, in my opinion, to what Damian Lewis's was coming out of LSU. Mahler in the run game needs a little bit of work in pass protection, uh, would be a solid pick there. But when you look down here, I see some value, right? When you look at the picks that we have left, we have 58, 76, 91 coming up. I look down this big board, Christian Mahogany is a dude that I like just as much as Cooper Beebe, and they've got him at 130. Layden Robinson looked good in the, in the senior bowl at 132. Zach Zinter coming off the leg injury at 148. So there's some value there. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to take Braylon Trice. And right off the bat, 
I'm checking off two massive boxes for Mike McDonald up front on defense, and we're getting better in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. A couple of trade offers here I don't like. And now, you know, we've dropped down to 76, and most of those guys that we like are still on the board. I have to consider linebacker here, though, too, because we saw some of that depth at offensive guard, and I've got the 91st pick coming up. I could still grab one of those guys there. First, let's look at the big board overall. Want to make sure we're not missing anybody, okay? But now let's look at linebacker. Jeremiah Trotter is the guy that has the name, certainly, with his father's career in the NFL. Um, Six foot, 230 pounds, a little bit more. You know, last year, it was tough to find linebackers in this draft. I think one of the reasons the Seahawks went with Devin Bush in free agency instead of drafting a guy is last year there weren't a lot of those uh, inside linebackers that were actually built like inside linebackers. A lot of undersized guys, a lot of guys at 225 but played inside linebacker, guys like Dan Henley. Um, this year there are, there are six, seven, eight guys that fit more of that mold. So there's some depth there. Trotter, six foot, 230. Uh, known as a very, very instinctive player, which you would expect with his his family background. But surprisingly, not the elite athlete that you would hope for. Peyton Wilson is 84 on their big board. He's a guy that some people are scared off a little bit by the frame. Uh, his lower half is a little bit um, is a little bit light for what you'd like to see in an inside linebacker. But his game, I mean, his range, sideline to sideline, his speed, his ability to cover and get downfield and chase plays is really enticing. Trevin Wallace out of Kentucky is another guy. Uh, played really well. Senior Bowl week. Jalen Ford, Texas, another stout interior linebacker. Um, but you can go down the list. Tommy Eichenberg at 175 is a guy that would have been a second-round pick all day long last year if he had come out, but he chose to go back with a bunch of those other guys and play for the Buckeyes and kind of lost some stock. Again, not a... Not an elite athlete, but a solid uh, interior linebacker. And then there's some guys later on. Nathaniel Watson at 244 is a gross misranking here. This is one of those examples I'm talking about. Uh, Nathaniel Watson very well might be taken on day two. But we're going to go with the big board here. I'm not scared of Peyton Wilson's uh, frame. And I don't think he'll be there at 91 if we wait. And I can get one of those guards. So I'm going to go Peyton Wilson here. Because... Operating under the assumption that Jordan Brooks comes back and that is once again shifted back to Mike with, uh, I think I'm also assuming Bobby Wagner moves on. Some people feel like he played better at will last year, um, but I think he fits at Mike and I think Mike McDonald is going to want to use him there and is going to figure out a way to use him there. And I think the pairing there of then a guy like Wilson playing weak side, a guy that can cover tight ends and really chase uh, is pretty exciting. And uh, spoiler alert, probably going to look to add a second linebacker at a certain point too. Probably one of those guys that that fits more of that that run stuffing north south mode. Now I've kind of taken some chances, so I want to get back to this offensive guard group and make sure that I get a guy that I like. And Christian Mahogany is that guy. Three six three, three hundred thirty two pounds. Stop me if you've heard this before. I've already said it today. Needs a little work in pass protection, but really good feet for a guy his size really devastating in the run game. Uh, a guy that, that I, I do think is rated a little too low. Um, Zach Zinter is interesting here as well. And I wouldn't bat an eye if the Seahawks wanted to pick him this high, as long as the medicals are good. And, and all the reports are that he's rehabbing from that broken leg pretty well. He's going, going to be available at some point this year. 
Uh, I just really like Mahogany. He's also a big favorite of Michael Thompson. I'm going to take his word for it on this one as well and get that Mahler uh, at guard. Now we drop down to the 118th pick. We're into the fourth round, and I think we've clicked, checked a lot of boxes, right? So we can kind of go best player available here. We've got a defensive tackle that we can insert on that interior defensive line that can get after the passer. We've got a big edge that's unlike any of the guys that are currently on the roster in Braylon Trice. Peyton Wilson, a, a big-time sideline-to-sideline uh, running uh, linebacker prospect. And then Christian Mahogany, a guy that can start as a rookie at guard. So let's look at the big board just to see if there's any value there. Um, <laughs> and I, right off the bat, I see it. The odds of Braden Fiske still being, or I think it's Fisk, still being available at 118 are pretty low. And when I'm doing these mock drafts late at night at home with a, with a cocktail in my hand, I usually will pass up guys that are available that I really don't think are going to be available. Um, Braden Fisk is a guy, he was the guy that was traded on the morning of the senior bowl, right? Just massive high effort, high energy player. He can move up and down the line a little bit. He can, he can play on the edge. He can play on the interior. Very, very tempting to take him there in this situation because look, you could say Braden Fisk isn't going to be there at 118, but players fall every year. Every single year. And if you start scanning down here, I just don't really see, I'm not taking a wide receiver in the fourth round. I'm not taking another guard. I might take a corner here. I'm taking best player available, right? Let's look at this though, because the safety class drops off pretty significantly once you get kind of down in, into this range. And, and indeed, uh, Bo Braid is a guy that I like. He's gone. I missed out on him. Cole Bishop from Utah missed out on him by addressing those other positions. Um, Katan Oladapo from uh, Oregon State is really interesting to me, a guy that really hits. They've got him at 136, so I risk missing out on him here. Malik Mustafa is a guy that Rob Staten absolutely loves. 5'10", 205, another guy that really comes downhill and hits you. Tyke Smith out of Georgia looked good in the Senior Bowl. Josh Proctor a little bit farther down did as well. Um, I'm just going to take a look at the offensive tackles because if there was a guy here that has experience playing tackle, but that also has some experience playing guard or projects to be a guy that you could move inside, I might consider taking him at this point in the draft as a hedge against Lucas, um, potentially not being hundred percent, but I'm going to assume that he is in for the, for the sake of argument in this draft. And so I'm just going to go back here. I'm going to follow the board. Right? If a guy like Braden Fisk is there, I'm taking him. Well, but Dan, you've already taken a defensive tackle. You can never have too many. Look at what the San Francisco 49ers did last year. We thought their defensive line was maybe the best in football in the preseason. And then they went out and added Javon Hargrave through free agency with a big deal. And then they went out at the trade deadline and added uh, Cole Young. And then, not Cole Young, um, whom I'm totally blanking. Cole Young is uh, the Seahawks or the, the Mariners middle infielder, right? Um, anyway, I'm not going to Google it. But, uh, uh, and and then they even picked up, uh, they added Cleland Farrell early in the year. They they picked up, uh, who was it? The Sheldon Day. Um, they, they just kept adding bodies, right? You can't have enough. 
I, I was listening to a podcast the other day that, that was uh, addressing defensive line product or prospects. And they said, well, but the Seahawks, are, they're okay there because they've got Jaron Reed and they've got Draymond Jones and Leonard Williams. If he's coming back and play on the interior and you've got Cam Young, I'm like that's not enough. That is not enough. You want to be able to rotate guys. You want guys that are different. You cannot have enough talent up front. That defensive line needs to get better. Jaron Reed's 32, 33 years old in the last year of his deal. You can't count on him reproducing his season that he gave us last year. And honestly, was he as good in the second half of the year as he was in the first? Certainly didn't make the kind of impact that he did in the first half of the season. So I'm I'm continuing to load up there and, and not batting an eye about that. Now we sit at 150. Let's look at the all board. Uh, there's Oladapo, one of the safeties that we like. Um, this is where you can start to consider some receivers, some skill position guys. Luke McCaffrey is really interesting and fun out of Rice. Uh, Christians, is it his brother? Um, played quarterback at Rice, but making the move to receiver and just, just looks like a guy uh, that can be a really effective slot receiver. You have to start considering Life after Tyler Lockett. I can see Jackson Smith and Jigba playing more outside receiver when that happens. So he's a really interesting dude there on the board. I don't want to scroll down too far because you don't want to feel like you're reaching, right? So with what I have on the board right here, I'm looking at Oladapo or Tyke Smith out of Georgia at safety or Luke McCaffrey uh, as a wide receiver. And uh, when you look at the picks coming up next, we have a 43 pick drop to that next spot. Um, man, this is a tough one. You know, this is one where this would be an easier decision to make at the end of April, right? Cause we'll probably know if we can count on Tyler Lockett being on this roster or not. We'll probably know if Quandre Diggs is going to be retained or not. I tend to think Mike McDonald is going to want Diggs on this roster. He's going to want some veteran presence. He doesn't just want to go with a bunch of young guys, in which case Diggs, Julian Love, Maybe he likes continuing the experiment of Colby Bryant at safety. Maybe he likes Jonathan Sutherland, a guy who almost made the final 53 coming out of preseason, but was hurt and they brought him back later. Um, he might like the upside of Jarek Reed. I'm actually, this is going to be my, my one fun pick that I'm going to do. Humor, humor me on this one. Instead of taking the safety, which would be the prudent thing to do, I'm going to take Luke McCaffrey because I think he's a really fun player. I think, uh, I think he can be that, you know, I just saw today that the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are shopping Hunter Renfro. Loved his game, caught 100 balls a couple years ago, really owns that middle of the field. I think Luke McCaffrey could be that kind of guy, the kind of guy that we thought D. Eskridge was going to be, um, but he's not going to be on this roster. So that might be a, a nice little replacement there for him. Now we sit at 193 and looking at the, the entirety of the big board. Uh, I'm going to start looking at tight ends at this point as well. You know, it's a, there's a good chance that a couple of weeks from now, the Seahawks might not have any active tight ends on their roster outside of Brady Russell. Uh, if they were, if they're to release Will Disley, move on from him to save some cap space, Colby Parkinson, Noah Fant are on expiring contracts. Uh, so they need to add to that room. I still want to look at safety. I want to see if there's any quarterback value. Let's do this. We're in the sixth round. Now we go to quarterbacks, Joe Milton, Carter Bradley, the kid out of South Alabama that played in the Senior Bowl, didn't look great. And then, you know, a bunch of upside plays. 
I'm surprised that Sam Hartman isn't still available. He usually is at this point. I might consider taking Sam Hartman in the sixth round. Do I think he's a a long-term NFL starter anymore? No, not necessarily. But is he a guy that can spot start? You can win with for a couple games if you need to. That could be an effective backup. I do. I see a lot of Gardner Minshew in his game, but he's not here. Uh, Joe Milton, I've talked about it on the show. Uh, didn't like what I saw of him up until a few days ago and then actually watched some All-22, watched three of his games, watched uh, practice highlights from Senior Bowl week. Um, there's some upside to Joe Milton. There's some things to like. Certainly the arm is legit. Um, I just, there's some things that I don't love about him and I don't see him as a big time upside play as a guy who could be a long-term starter in the league. Some of you do, um, but I'm going to pass on him here and looking at this board, I'm probably going to pass on quarterback altogether in this draft. I mean, some of these guys will be available if you think they have a shot to be on the practice squad after the draft is over. Um, when you look at the remaining safeties, Sione Vaki from Utah is interesting. Dominique Hampton out of Washington is a guy who's really physical, can hit, can come up in the box and can cover tight ends. And he's 218 on their big board. So we could possibly wait for him. Um, let's go back and look at interior offensive line again, maybe double up there. None of these guys really stand out. Any centers that I like that have also played some guard. So let's look at this tight end group. And there's some interesting ones here. Uh, Jack Westover, uh, a tight end that a bunch of you Husky fans really like. Um, certainly Ryan Grubb is familiar with him. Uh, Tanner McLaughlin out of Arizona, Pac-12 fans know him. A.J. Barner from Michigan is a solid two-way tight end. Um, Barner's pretty good value here. They don't show his uh, height and weight, but he's certainly a guy that Mike McDonald will have had some exposure to in his, in his one year there and also you know, has, will have the insight with Jay Harbaugh on the staff. So let's go AJ Barner here, just because I do want to add a young tight end in this draft. And I think he's great value in the sixth round. And then we have two seventh round picks. We picked up one in that trade. Somebody offered us a trade here to move down 20 spots. We'd have back-to-back picks at 252 and 253. Yeah, I don't like that. That's a dumb trade. (laughs) Um, let's go back to defense I want to look at linebackers again is there one of those guys and there it is do I think he's going to be available at 244 or 232 no Um, he's a guy that was player of the year in his conference Um, he can get after it from the edge and rush the passer but he might be a guy that just doesn't have the range some teams are looking for. He's a bigger he's a bigger guy, but I think Nathaniel Watson, if he was here in the seventh round, would be an absolute no-brainer and a guy that could uh, could make your roster. Um, you know, J.D. Bertrand out of Notre Dame is another one. Started in the Senior Bowl, was all over the place making plays. Um, Jackson Sermon out of Cal is another late-round guy that might fit that mold as well. Uh, if there was a corner that I loved at this point, but I'm, I just haven't watched as much of the corners this year. So I'm not really as familiar with that, that class. Cause I don't think it's a huge need. I'll catch up to him later. So I'm going to take Nathaniel Watson because I, I just think that, you know, my goal going into this draft was let's check as many boxes as we can be redundant. If you have to at certain spots and make sure that you're adding talent where you need it. And so that we can move forward with some young guys on the roster in that front seven um, and interior offensive line. I've got one pick left in the draft. If I had a quarterback left that I liked, 
that'd be a great spot to use him. You know, this is that point in the draft where if there's a undrafted free agent that you're on the phone, you're trying to recruit and he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of offers and some teams are offering him more than the minimum. Uh, you might use this pick just to make sure that you get him. I just don't like any of those guys. We don't need a running back at this point. You can sign those guys in undrafted free agency. We've got our wide receiver. Um, you look back here, the one thing we're missing is safety. Um, and we missed out by waiting. We missed out on a couple of those guys we were looking at. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so I'm going to do this just because I kind of have an extra pick here. Uh, let's add another edge player. Because again, uh, I don't expect Daryl Taylor to be back. And all that depth we thought we had last year, right? With Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall being added in the second round. He still had Tyreek Smith at Ohio State. He's since been released. Taylor's going to move on, right? So adding another edge player, I don't think is a, is a bad idea. And when there's a guy, you know, there's two guys from Michigan there that Mike McDonald's going to be familiar with. Jalen Harrell's interesting. He's played some linebacker too. Braden McGregor is a guy, 6'5", 272, kind of fits that mold. Add, add him in there with Mike Morris. Again, it's redundant. It's Brendan. Uh, okay, Brennan Jackson, I was going to get a Coogan here. He's moved up their board. Good to see. He's usually been available here. Just a high effort, high energy player. Uh, let's just add another edge player. And we'll go with Braden McGregor. Um, here's our final class. At 26, Byron Murphy. At 58, Braylon Trice. At 76, Peyton Wilson. At 91, Christian Mahogany, offensive guard. At 118, Braden Fisk. At 150, Luke McCaffrey. At 193, A.J. Barner, the tight end. At 232, Nathaniel Watson. At 254, Braden McGregor. You've added two edges, a defensive tackle, and two linebackers. Now, some of you might say, that's not enough. You know, a lot of you, and I do it too, want to go through these mock drafts and you want to hit one at every position, right? You'd want to make sure that we get a safety in this class. You'd want to make sure we get a corner in this class, a tackle, maybe another, maybe a center. I, I tried to go best player available here um, as much as I could. But also, again, let's make sure that we're stocking the shelves in those spots that we need to with young guys moving forward, right? Like we did at offensive tackle three years ago. Like we've done it at, at other spots. Like we did at edge a couple of years ago because sometimes those things don't work out. The same year we took Daryl Turner or, or Daryl Taylor, Daryl Turner, I just aged myself. The same year that we took Daryl Taylor, we also took Alton Robinson. And that didn't work out. He got hurt, right? Same year we took Charles Cross, we took Abe Lucas. Now we're not sure about his health. You just can't ever count on these guys. You know, sometimes we do these drafts and we think, well, that's set. We're good for 20 years, 10 years. 
Uh, not always the case. I I would want to, if I'm John Schneider, I want to go into this draft. And there's some needs on offense, obviously, but I want to make sure that Mike McDonald has everything he needs and more to turn this defense around long-term because that's the part of the roster that needs to be fixed the most. The most. And so let's get him those weapons. Let's get him those players so that so that there is some redundancy, so that he has a hedge. So if a guy goes down or a guy doesn't develop, doesn't become what you think he's going to be. Worst case scenario is now you can rotate these guys up front like the Seahawks did in their Super Bowl years. You know, when they had Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett in that first Super Bowl, they technically weren't starters for most of the year. They rotated in. So uh, that's what I ended up with. Let me save this so I can also get it out on Twitter. Get your thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, did I miss anything from what you were seeing there as you were looking at the board as I was going through it? Did I miss anything? Did I do anything stupid? Any of the picks that you like better than the others? In your comments, give me the three best picks you think you uh, you see from this draft or any other ideas you may have as well. And certainly on Twitter, you can't do it on YouTube. I wish you could. Uh, but on Twitter, you, send me yours. Use whatever mock draft simulator you want to and send me yours. Um, I would love to see it. That'll do it for today. Just wanted to do that for fun. Um, those live ones can get a little wordy. Sorry about that. I don't always do them live. Um, I'll probably do a couple more over the next month where I'll, I'll do them ahead of time. And then we'll get Michael Thompson back on here and, uh, and we'll do a draft together. We'll do dueling drafts. I'm telling you, if you like mock drafts as much as I do, you're going to be a happy, happy viewer and listener over the next couple of months. Coming up uh, tomorrow on the show, Matty Brown from the Seattle Overload podcast. Um, going to talk to him sp- more specifically about the offense and what he sees from Ryan Grubb and his history of scheming and how he thinks he's going to fit with the Seahawks. I'm going to catch up with Dana O'Gorman, my old co-host on Field Goals and the PSF app on Wednesday. Haven't talked to her since the coaching change. In fact, haven't talked to her since a half an hour before the coaching change happened. So that'll be fun to do. And then my old buddy, how many of you, I've been meaning to ask this, let me know in the comments, how many of you go back to the Dan Cave podcast days? or the Emerald City Sportscast, prior to even field goals, when a regular contributor and guest on the show is my very, very dear friend, Eric Briggs. He is uh, coming back on the show. It's, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, a couple of years, getting him set up with all the equipment he needs, and uh, he'll be a fun regular contributor on the show as well. All that and more coming up. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Subscribe, like, do all the stuff in all the places. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks. Thank you.